Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Episode 9 of the Security Token Show. My name is Kyle Sondland and I'm joined with my co-host Herwig. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. This is Herwig Konings and I'm excited to get into today's episode covering Overstock, Medici Ventures, and T-Zero. And actually how it all is going to be connected, organized, and structured. With recent news of Dr. Patrick Burns stepping down from Overstock, we figured it was important for everyone to understand how everything was related and what all of this means for the future of T-Zero and the blockchain efforts. But first, as always, the industry news. Let me start off with Coinbase saying that it has received regulatory approval from FINRA to move forward with its acquisitions of Venovate Marketplace, Digital Wealth LLC, and Keystone Capital Corp, which essentially are all marketplaces and broker-dealers designed around uh, securities. And in this case, the expectation is that Coinbase will be layering in over top to be able to facilitate tokenized trading. Uh, This is a huge move. It's extremely important because Coinbase has this, you know, not only a massive war chest, but also is considered an industry leader in the crypto space. And, you know, there's a lot of issues around ICOs and the relationship to security tokens. And Coinbase, I feel, has one of those institutional brands that can go ahead and create a better path towards legitimacy for security tokens as a cryptocurrency company. Uh, and so I think this is a really big move. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts, Kyle? I'm excited about it. I think that this is something that we were expecting. We're certainly, I think, expecting to see them continue these efforts into security tokens. If you remember, they already provide custody support for a security token. And so they're now just expanding their regulatory compliance to allow them to to actually list security tokens. And I think it's just going to be something that they continue to add on to moving forward. It's fantastic. They have a huge user base, a ton of capital. They're a huge custody provider. And uh, nothing but good things here, especially in the wake of, of some of the uncertainty as we're seeing with some of our other large institutional secondary players. You know, I made Coinbase my very first company of the week uh, in our first episode. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just I think it's great to see them continue to make big waves. And there, it's just if anyone had any uncertainty around whether Coinbase was moving into this space, uh, you know, look no further. This is this is definitely happening. Moving on, Securitize recently mentioned that they are now a registered stock transfer agent with the SEC. This is seen as an institutional move with Carlos Domingo, the CEO, saying that this is now going to make their process more efficient. It's going to give more confidence to their clients that Securitize is operating within the means of current regulations and that this is a legitimate climate. And that, you know, clients will need the service at scale. Specifically, you know, we now have an interest around Reg A+. We see a lot of concerns around scalability for certain tokens, and it's without a doubt that transfer agents are going to be needed within that process. Uh, Securitize is claiming to be the first uh, issuance platform to be uh, registered as a uh, transfer agent. So, uh, you know, it looks like we'll see if other issuance platforms look to, to follow suit 
in the crowdfunding industry, V-stock transfer agent and others already do exist and, and have their place. So there's no doubt there's going to be a need for them here in the securities world. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see how this impacts, you know, Securitize. It certainly looks like it's going to continue to position them as a market leader within the issuance space. Uh, and we'll, we'll see uh, if uh, they, they tout, you know, according to this article, they're looking to do free transfer agent services. Of course, you know, not including all the other governance services and tools that they include within their tokenization technology. But uh, looks like certainly an interesting move to try and claim attention around this issue and their newfound asset of being a, a stock transfer agent. So good, good for Securitize. It's really fantastic just because with any of these regulatory processes in new industries, I think the first mover is, is the one that has the most tumultuous of paths, right? And so it, it is difficult to, to prove to some of these regulatory bodies the legitimacy of of whatever financial institution or regulation that they're trying to, to receive. So it's great news for Securitize, and I think it's great news for the industry as it hopefully will make it easier for other platforms and providers to also be able to provide these kinds of services because the reality is we're talking about a market that is so large that there is plenty of room for everyone to make great careers and build great companies in providing these services. So the more that we can provide legitimacy, the more licenses that can be passed through, it's only better things for the space in general. So kudos to Securitize and, and way to keep paving the way for everyone else. And potentially more best practices too, Kyle. Perhaps we're going to see that all issuance platforms need to register with the SEC as stock transfer agents because it only makes sense for their business. Uh, it's definitely an interesting move. and. You know, we, we can't wait to see uh, how the industry continues to adopt. And I'm sure we're going to do a, a whole episode at one point on, on stock transfer agents. They do play a role. Uh, it just hasn't been very clear yet because there's a lot of redundancies with blockchain technology already providing a lot of those services. But how it comes into context from a legal perspective, I think, certainly will be deemed an episode one day. Definitely. Next up, we have Germany granting a, a license. Their, their Boffin uh, SEC equivalent uh, has recently issued the Mifid II license to Black Manta Capital Partners. This is essentially the equivalent of being allowed to perform brokerage services for tokenized securities. The Luxembourg registered financial firm Black Manta Capital Partners actually has a very global vision. Uh, this is one of their many moves that they're doing, including launching a fund focused on blockchain technologies out of Malta, which I think is expected to be tokenized there. They intend to launch Black Malta Asia out of Singapore and intend to get similar uh, regulatory broker licenses there. Uh, and it seems like they're, they're you know, trying to, you know, according to their CEO, be on a mission to unite Europe and Asian capital markets. Certainly seems like they're doing all of the right things. I think this is really institutional to just what we were talking about, Kyle, getting licensed and institutional is the first step in having these companies go big. Um, and it seems like Black Manta is thinking about all the right things, not just from a local perspective, but a global perspective. I'm mean, here we have a Luxembourg registered financial firm already that's now licensed with, with Boffin and is intending to do the same thing in Singapore and seems to have some ties to Malta too. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think I can see an infrastructure developing here that, that will make it efficient to bring and unite those two capital markets. So congrats to them. Uh, in fact, I think this is so big, I'm going to make them my company of the week. So you know, good job, Black Manta Capital Partners. Keep it up. Fantastic work. 
Security tokens are a global effort. So to see a firm not only specializing in their base location and their home location, but to really try to branch out and connect the EU from Asia or with Asia rather and, and everywhere else is just a tremendous move. It's something that we're going to hopefully continue to see moving forward. And kudos to, to Black Manta Capital. This next one, Kyle, is a little juicier. A little mm. juicier here. We have a insider report from some ex-employees at R3. For those of you who don't know, R3 developed Corda. They raised about $120 million in 2017 to do this. They now employ over 200 people around the world, including out of London and New York. Um, and they have over 70 financial participants named amongst their uh, association that they formed early on to, to bring in the, these early pilot partners. And this also includes, for those of you who remember, the Swiss Stock Exchange launching their digital exchange also partnered exclusively with Corda Technology. Uh, for those of you who also remember last week, the CEO of STX stepped down, so this may have you know, bit potentially some kind of insight to it, regardless of its ties. Uh, this report is actually from insiders who have left. Uh, a group chat of employees came out uh, and basically burned the company. Uh, there is a, a trend of both uh, harshing on the technology in the sense of its viability and scalability, as well as how the company is being run. Concerns about the money potentially being out of money. Uh, a company going through $120 million in two years is not unheard of, but definitely takes effort. Um, but, you know, if you employ 200 people around the world, all with, you know, great salaries because this is, a, you know, the latest tech, you need the best. Um, and they have office space in New York and London and also reports around rather lavish lifestyles from the, the C-suite and the executives. Uh, you know, that can certainly add up and I can see that happen. But more importantly, uh, management of a company, I think, how it can always be fixed. If the technology has concerns and you have the people developing the technology, leaving the company in intros, this report claims about 10% of the, the workforce has left already, and you have this kind of insider report about all these people saying the technology, the people who built it saying that they have concerns about the scalability, the viability, that maybe the whole thing is a little bit of fluff, certainly does not ever look good for a company. Uh, Kyle, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. This is tough. I certainly don't think that this is a story we haven't heard before. I also think it's important to note that these are still speculations. We, we don't know for sure whether this is true or not. We're just kind of reporting on, on some of the articles we've seen. So it is to be seen where this technology does go, but I think you're spot on. If you're spending lavishly or slightly lavishly and maybe providing a little extra incentive for the best employees to come work for you, that's definitely a strategy that has been very effective for companies in the past. So if, if their burn rate is, is, is high because they're trying to attract the highest talent and they're producing a high quality product but they just need more money, that's one thing and I certainly think that that's something that you could potentially understand. If the tech is also not quite where you know, it was expected to be as well as you know, maybe not spending quite as properly, that's where you start to see some issues. So we'll have to see how this works. I also think the reality is that, that you know, we're waiting to see which one of these protocols really is, is able to successfully provide that transition for these assets. I think that there's a lot of these kinds of protocols and blockchains that are being developed and 
It seems like they're all kind of trying to accomplish the same goal, maybe slightly in a slightly different way. I certainly am not a blockchain developer, so for me to be able to analyze the, the differences, I think would not be proper, but it does seem like they're all kind of trying to accomplish a similar goal. And so it does, it, I think it does raise some questions from me as well. We'll have to see what they can do. I mean, only time will tell and the ball is in their court. So certainly not, uh, you know, signs of uh, closure or anything like that. I, I think for sure the company is going to continue to find new clients and also showcase their current, uh, you know, betas and products that they're working on. And uh, I'm sure they'll continue to succeed. I mean, it's certainly with 120 million, there's a lot behind it to make sure that that happens. Uh, so we'll certainly be following the story, and you know, Corda continues to pop up everywhere. So you know, we will hopefully see some more positive coverage next week. Uh, we do also have now an overview of Dusk's STO platform. For those of you who are interested in more of the nuances of the underlying technology. Definitely, I recommend you go read this article. As always, all my news is sourced from the Security Token Market News section. So that's stomarket.com slash news. And it's contributed and sourced from our, our community members and ourselves uh, on a weekly basis there. So definitely go check it out, especially if you have something to contribute. And in this case, you know, the overview of Dusk is that it's designed as a blockchain for regulation compliance security token issuances. It's actually a mix of Ethereum-like smart contracts using its own XSC protocol and a privacy coin zero-knowledge proofs, which create a basis for confidential asset transfers. Again, for more of the nuances and how they essentially have a new kind of underlying mechanism on the blockchain for asset transfers that are more confidential, designed around creating whitelists, uh, which is, of course, very ideal for security tokens where you need to know who your customers are, where you need to know who qualifies and, and you know, process the compliance around this. So, you know, this could be a very interesting use case. They uh, expect to have a mainnet launched by the end of the year with five STOs or so around that platform and an expectation, a goal, they say, of getting around 20 STOs in, in the year following. So yet another issuance platform, uh, and we'll be interested to see what STOs are going to be launching. We do have a, another article from Joshua Stoner, a key journalist in the industry covering digital securities at securities.io, who recently gave an overview of kind of the different participants in the STO ecosystem. It's a really great overview, a good primer on really capital markets and how they function and how digital securities and security tokens are really changing and disrupting that industry and the key players who are doing that within it. Finally, to leave you with the, on the news here is a market report on Europe. So Fintelum uh, launched a newsletter recently, and their first issue was a report that they did on the STO industry. They covered or at least identified 35 STOs uh, all out of Europe with, with some of the key stats here for you to share. 17% of them were successful. 26% of them either failed or canceled and the rest of them are considered either ongoing or upcoming. Um, so we don't know how much higher that success or failure rate really is going to increase. But uh, what I can tell you is the ones who allegedly did successfully raise, they raised about 25 million euros. Uh, certainly not a small amount, but in retrospect to trillion dollar capital markets, it's you know, a drop of the bucket is even not fair. <laughs> uh, it's too big. Um, but um, ultimately, you know, we are on the bleeding edge here. This is a, a good sign and momentum that uh, 
processes and best practices and successful issuances are happening in Europe. Uh, and, and it certainly seems like there are many that are meant to be upcoming, and of course we expect that to expect exponentially grow. So for those of you who want to see more about the report and learn more information, again, it's going to be in the links in, in wherever you're listening to uh, the podcast with to, to find out more. Yeah, definitely go check out that Fintelum report. I, Herwig and I have been in this industry now for, for quite a while, and when we first started, it seemed like the U.S. was really the only jurisdiction that was really trying to pioneer security tokens when we first started and, and now we're really starting to see Europe grow and flourish in this space which is, is fantastic as we've said so many times it's a global financial system and one that very much needs to be adopted and pioneered from all other jurisdictions in a complementary way so Fintelm did a great job of really trying to focus on a lot of those European companies in terms of promoting the ones that have succeeded and the ones that are still looking to complete their raise or may look to raise in the next couple of months. I think that we've seen a lot of great progress from European issuance platforms and in some cases seen some really great progress from European STOs that potentially have inspired other businesses to consider this method as a viable option or semi-viable option depending on the quality of the project. So great work from Fintelum to compile this list, to focus it around Europe, and, and we definitely want to keep promoting those services. So because of that, I, I want to give Fintelum my company of the week this week, Herwig. Keep it up. We definitely will, will be watching your newsletters and, and definitely compiling your information here on the show moving forward. I think that's a really worthy mention, Kyle. You know, anyone who's promoting transparency in our industry around data, anyone who's bringing unique and insights and, and sharing their research with everyone, it's something we always advocate for and try to do ourselves. Uh, and so I think, again, very great, great mention. But that's it for my segment, Kyle. I'm going to hand it over to you. I'm looking forward to hearing the latest on the STOs. Yeah, we've got some good security token offering news this week. But the first thing that I'd like to, to mention before we dig into the news this week is that we actually have an update from the security token market. That's the company that, that I'm the CEO of. It's, it's Herwig and I are our founders of the security token group. And so one of our subsidiaries, security token market, is uh, had, a, had a good launch. And so one of the updates that we have here is, is that the verified profiles on the platform are now live. And so... The homepage now features all of our verified issuers who have taken control of their profiles and continue to make edits in real time. And so essentially what that means is that we have full LinkedIn style editing of all of the, the live offerings on our platform. And so now what we're looking to do is, is start to scale that, that opportunity and, and bring on as many security token issuers. I think we have over 200 now compiled by our research team in-house in collaboration with those teams. And we're looking to, to have those issuers really keep their offering pages up to date to provide the best information for all of our users. So the, the platform includes all of the qualitative information about the asset, the underlying asset, the quantitative information about the token structure, and finally also has live fundraising information in addition to disclosures, press, and, and the team members. So there's so much information on there, and we're excited now to have this full verification process where issuers can actually make complete edits to their profile in real time. So definitely go check that out if you're interested in seeing some of the, the issuers that are really kind of taking the lead on really being clear and transparent as we discussed Herwig earlier. 
that's going to be incredibly important for investors, especially in a high-risk space like security tokens because of the fact that we are so early. So props to all, I think, 20 or 30 issuers we now have that are fully verified. And if any other security token issuers are listening or want to be verified or have their profiles linked, please reach out to us. We uh, have a verification process to make sure that, that you're part of the team and that, that you're authorized. And from there, then, then we'll... Uh, We'll get you onboarded so that we can have the, the most up-to-date information for all of our issuers. So you can reach out to me directly or Herwig via Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, or you can email me, kyle at stomarket.com, and uh, we'll get that going. So check it out on stomarket.com. This is a really important update, Kyle. Uh, you know, ultimately, there is nothing like getting information from the horse's mouth, um, but more importantly, you know, having rich profiles that you can see and really learn more about is always a, a key and a mission for us uh, at STM. That's really, we, we hope it to be your source of truth of information for all things security tokens. And so I think this is just a natural step and proof that, that it's already getting adopted. I, I think it's great. I've been checking out some of the profiles. Uh, the badge, I think, looks awesome. And, uh, you know, they, they really have a, a lot more information we can learn from there. So I, I think everyone will like that. And that goes for our, our viewers, too, on the website. You know, let us know your feedback. Let us know your comments. And let us know what else you'd like to see. Definitely, definitely. You and I have been working very hard to build out that platform as best as we can. And it's exciting to, to really start to see that, that come to fruition. So moving past that, time to get into some new security token offerings. The first one that we will jump into is from Fun Jumping. Fun Jumping is a gaming company out of Asia. They build blockchain-based video games on the NEO blockchain, and they are raising a $10 million security token for a the equity in their company. I think it's a $2 million soft cap with a $10 million hard cap. It's preferred equity over their common stock with a 1% quarterly dividend based off of their, or 1% quarterly, 1% of their revenue in a quarterly dividend, excuse me. And they are doing a Reg D for U.S. investors at a 25K minimum investment and a Reg S for non-U.S. investors at a 1K minimum investment. Definitely check out Fun Jumping if you're interested in gaming companies that are leveraging blockchain for their technology or their transactions, potentially even non-fungible tokens that we've discussed before. Check out Fun Jumping and, and look at that one. So moving on, we have an interesting piece of news that circulated around most circles this week, which was regarding the crypto and security token exchange INX. And Herwig, we've discussed this at length, but INX is looking to raise $130 million in an IPO on the stock exchange. And so they're a crypto exchange startup. And they are, what they're doing is they're based out of Gibraltar and they're submitting an F1, which is an IPO for a foreign company to list their equity on the New York Stock Exchange. And it's actually, um, excuse me, it's not equity, but it's a profit sharing token of the exchange. So they're, they're, they're listing a security on the New York Stock Exchange in the form of a profit sharing token of the exchange um, how do you feel about this one, Herwig? Wow. <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, we, we heard earlier on about the intentions of um, Provenance, which is a U.S.-based company intending to do an IPO later this year. Uh, but this would be the first IPO that we know of, and it's also an example of a foreign company, which really, I think, also actually adds another layer to this whole thing. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's an ambitious raise, 130 million. Again, nothing uncommon for exchanges to be raising in the hundreds of millions of dollars. But uh, this company is based out of Gibraltar, uh, and I don't know how much of a you know, brand presence they have in the US. Um, and it's certainly a, a unique instrument, right? They're do, not doing traditional equity, they're, they're giving a profit sharing uh, token of all things. So you, know, you really are coming up with a complex uh, narrative here. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going public, baby. So you know, this is very, very cool. It means anyone listening will be able to participate. Um, and I, I think it's a, pr a pretty landmark offer. Yeah, it'll be exciting. It'll be very, very exciting. I wonder what the appetite of institutional investors will be towards a profit-sharing token versus maybe more traditional equity like you, you're expecting to see on the stock exchange. Um, but it does have some, some serious firepower behind it in the form of its advisors and board. The advisors have some, some known names in the crypto industry in terms of Jameson Lopp, who is a Bitcoin security professional, Blockstream's chief of strategy officer, Samson Moe, and Morgan Creek Capital Management CEO, Mark Yusko, are all advisors. In addition, the board has the vice, former vice chairman of the NASDAQ, David Weald, as well as Thomas K. Lewis, who is the former CEO of the predecessor company to TD Ameritrade. So they do have some serious firepower behind it. Uh, we'll see how that sways investor appetite um, and how they can potentially make this thing you know, successful in its, its raise and, and eventual launch as a security token exchange. So very exciting, very interesting to watch. I think as we've said, it's more about the process and, and, and paving the way for additional companies to also try to leverage these strategies moving forward. So best of luck to INS and INX rather and, and excited to watch that moving forward. Kyle, do you know if this is uh, you know more of an announcement of an intention or if they've actually submitted their F1 and that we have you know some kind of information on when this is gonna be be coming? From my understanding this is this is an announcement of intention. Um, so there is a long process yet to go before uh -huh. they they really you know, start to raise funding. Additionally, especially in an IPO public company case, they would traditionally do a private roadshow. This likely isn't going to be crowdfunded. If it was, that certainly would be something that's very unorthodox for a traditional public company. So I think that they still need to file the F1 and they likely will still need to find an investment bank that's going to help, you know, lead this one through the roadshow, but we'll have to watch it. And obviously we'll keep up with any updates that we have moving forward, but this could be a, a you know, 12 to 18 month process realistically before we, we see any progress here. Moving forward with our final security token offering news of the day, we have Creative Destruction Media. They are making announcements about their upcoming security token offering which I wasn't able to find a ton of information on yet, aside from a very short press release on their own site. But what I was able to glean was that they, Creative Destruction Media is an unbiased media platform, where that's what they strive to be in the sense of they found flaws in traditional media, having political bias or economic bias or mixed incentives. And so they strive to be somewhat of a, you know, tell the truth no matter what the case is. I haven't actually used the platform a whole lot to have any comment on that, but that's certainly their mission. The investment is going to be for non-US investors. 
with a hard cap of $2 million in an equity token. So if you want to support a news media platform looking to disrupt the industry through you know, staying unbiased and, and you buy into their vision, definitely go check that one out for non-US investors only. Finally, moving into the market update, I figured that we'll start doing this segment more and more as, as we start to see more liquidity on exchanges. We started this last week. This week, I've got an update for T0. T0, their preferred equity token is live on exchanges. We reported that before. And now we're actually seeing that the trading volume of last week across the week was about 62,000 US dollars for the entire week. So this is pretty good. It's better than where they were at prior to allowing non-accredited investors. When it was just accredited investor trading over the last couple of months, it was definitely lower than this on a weekly basis. But this is not a whole lot more above average than what they had been seeing in the early days of their, their preferred equity. So I think that they're still looking to see some additional uptick in volume. I also know that they had some potential issues or they had some delays in actually registering some of the investors and, and verifying the identities of a lot of their non-accredited investors, which I've, I, you know, from, I've heard is, is getting resolved now and that they're, they're kind of catching up to a lot of the initial backlog. So we'll have to pay attention to where this number is potentially next week and in the weeks moving forward to see how that changes now that maybe there are more investors. Um, and then additionally, Overstock's preferred dividend is coming in Q3, at the end of Q3 here. So definitely look out for that. They have Overstock listed on their exchange, but there is no volume. And I do not believe you can buy or sell it yet until the dividend is paid out through the traditional stock offering. So I will keep you up to date on that. But those are the only two securities they have on their exchange at this point. So we'll, uh, we'll keep going from there moving forward. Finally, we have our upcoming events. The first two were, were identified last week, but as a reminder, Investacrowd is hosting a digital securities event in Singapore on September 6th. So if you're interested in, in participating in that digital securities event in, and you're in Singapore on September 6th, definitely go check that out. Support the community. We all need to stick together and, and help build this industry together. Additionally, there is the World Blockchain STO Summit in Dubai on October 21st. This one I don't believe we actually mentioned last week, but it's another great event. You should definitely go check it out, the World Blockchain STO Summit in Dubai. And then Herwig, we actually have an event that, I, that you and I were invited to speak at. Uh, if you want to talk about that for a minute. Crypto Ops 2019 in New York City, folks. Uh, we'd love for all of you to come out, especially those of you who are in the area. And we'll be setting up meetings all throughout the week, so just please, as always, reach out. Uh, and again, that'll be October 21st uh, in New York City, Crypto Ops 2019. Yeah, so that's about it for the events. And uh, now it's time to, to get into the, the meat of the episode. The main topic, T0, Overstock, Medici Ventures. It's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole thing, man. What's, what, what's going on there? What, what, what a web. Well, before we get into it and even kind of give you the structure... You know, we chose this topic today because of some really recent big news. In fact, so big that it's actually you know, creating a lot of uh, invest investment on the actual public stock exchange on Overstock, uh, the company who owns Medici Ventures and T-Zero. 
so what happened was Dr. Patrick Byrne, who has been, you know, I think the founder for like forever. He was the founder, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, he, he is actually a visionary, both from the blockchain perspective with Overstock.com, an e-commerce furniture website, uh, was one of the very first companies, I think the first website to accept Bitcoin for transactions. Uh, and he himself, you know, saw the future security tokens, you know, credited as, you know, one of the originals, if not the original. Uh, and with, with his actions to take uh, the preferred stock to tokenize it a couple years ago to now have it issued on T0 to you know, develop T0 as the leading security token infrastructure has largely become part of the narrative of the, the CEO here, Patrick Byrne who said that basically, you know, the blockchain is the future and that this is another hedge for the company to succeed and grow. Um, well, most recently, he actually resigned, Kyle. He has stepped down as both the CEO and the board member and has severed all ties with the company, uh, following recently some deep stay comments. So this is where things get even more interesting. The stock of overstock, uh, you know, has been fluctuating a lot, I think, over the last year or two because Dr. Patrick Byrne was called out in some investigations around uh, the uh, federal election issues, uh, which basically turns out Dr. Patrick Byrne was dating a <laughs> Russian spy who, you know, oh has recently God. been convicted for 18 months in prison over the you know espionage situation. Oh. So this is obviously not very good for the stock. It's a deeply troubling situation uh, and unfortunately is causing him to step down, which means that you know, almost everything that he's done to date will probably go largely unrecognized, Kyle, because you know this, this we're just getting started on this side of things and it, it really is an understatement to say how much work he has done in setting up this infrastructure and pioneering the vision and setting up Medici and getting this whole operation off the ground. Uh, there's so much more that people don't know about. Hopefully we're all gonna learn a little bit more about our, our deeper discussion about how he's architected this whole thing. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's official, he's out. Yeah, you know, we don't wanna spend too much time talking about the, the drama and all this kind of goofy things that went on outside of his professional life, but it, it does seem like this is just pretty terrible timing considering you know, Overstock has been fluctuating wildly as they've struggled to compete in the last maybe five or 10 years with Amazon, with Walmart and, and Wayfair and some of these other e-commerce platforms. They've kind of struggled to keep up which resulted in them putting a ton of funding towards this the T0 experiment and Medici and, and all of their other blockchain subsidiaries, which they, they kind of refer to as a kiretsu, which is a Japanese word for a web of different companies with working together, working yeah. together with, with aligned interests. So they've put a ton of their money and time into leveraging a lot of these blockchain and crypto style services and businesses. And so... We didn't necessarily need Patrick Byrne to get involved in all this other stuff, but it's okay um, because Jonathan Johnson is now interim CEO. And Jonathan Johnson was a former president of Overstock. He also was the, the president of Medici Group. And so this is a guy that, that was pretty much running a lot of their blockchain and crypto 
businesses already. So now he is moving into the CEO, interim CEO position at Overstock, the public holding company uh, for all intents and purposes. And I actually was able to meet Jonathan Johnson in Boston about a year ago. He was speaking at a conference I was also speaking at. And, uh, and so we were able to, to have a nice discussion. I was impressed with, with his dedication and vision for a lot of the, the subsidiary or investment portfolio companies of Medici and very excited about the future of blockchain. So he, he's, a, he's a very smart guy and, and I think he's going to be able to, to do a lot of good. In addition, it's a good sign of confidence from the board of Overstock that they are fully committed to this blockchain vision and that it wasn't just something that Patrick Byrne was pushing, 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 and everyone thought he was crazy, right? If, if that was the case, they would have brought on some e-commerce vet to, to you know, keep Overstock afloat. Instead, they're still going all for it for, uh, for the blockchain and crypto applications. So I think that that's fantastic. And so, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Jonathan Johnson, uh, he seems to be so bullish on it that he actually <laughs> said to the press as part of his announcement as, you know, taking over as interim CEO, that he's actually not just drinking the Kool-Aid, but he's drunk on the, the Kool-Aid. The Bitcoin uh, Kool-Aid. Bitcoin Kool-Aid. So, you know, th there's no doubt about it, given his, you know, past experience with Medici and now his internal, you know, advancement as the interim CEO, it's very clear that Overstock is going to be bullish on blockchain, decentralized finance, and everything that's going on there, despite it having, you know, very little relevance to a furniture e-commerce website business, which also, Kyle, as you know, has received a lot of pressure about M&A options and, and considering what to do with that business in order right. to potentially revive it or, or you know, do something with it uh, for investors to be happy. Uh, and, and all of this is all timed while T-Zero has recently been making history um, in, in launching to non-accredited investors and, and listing the, the Overstock token. So while we see a lot of activity on the public exchange on Overstock, as you just reported, we're not still seeing a lot of activity on the T-Zero the token. So we'll see if next week any of this affects the T-Zero the price. But unfortunately, it looks like at this point, it's, it's hard to say if it's had an effect. I did see a higher than normal trading volume on the T0 token today, being Monday, than I had the last few days of last week. So today was the investor call from Jonathan Johnson to the investors in which he did reference the drunk on Bitcoin Kool-Aid phrase. Um, and so while you know we might love it and think it's a, it's a funny saying, investors certainly didn't. The stock is down 10 or 11% today. Um, but... I don't know. I think that the, the token, will have to see how that performs moving forward. And, and I think that, that it seems like T0 is running independent of overstock. So hopefully it shouldn't have too much of an effect. Well, if there's already some increased volume, maybe there is. And that's why all of this is so interesting and, and why it all correlates together. And you know what? I, I, I'm not sure I want anyone uh, that I'm investing in to say they're, they're drunk on anything. It's no. usually not the best no. uh, terminology. Anyway, uh, I think that gives us a good segue into going through the different layers, starting at the top with Overstock.com, founded in 1999, uh, and now today hovering around a $600 million market cap, as we have discussed, started out as a e-commerce business selling furniture. Uh, clearly right around the dot-com dot bubble uh, and maintained and survived and thrived to today. Um, but however, in 2014, it also launched a subsidiary 
Medici Ventures. And that has nothing to do with the e-commerce business really whatsoever. It's a VC arm designed around blockchain and really focused on decentralized finance technologies. That kind of brings us into layer two with Overstock being a public company and Medici Ventures being a private venture capital fund. So none of the activities there really have to be reported up to Overstock other than what's required by compliance to report on the you know, you know, success and ROI of the investment, et cetera. And actually, it's very unclear to Kyle and I. We, we have yet to be able to find this in time for the episode how much Medici has uh, under management in terms of deployable capital. Um, but... Um, at the end of the day, we can find out a lot about its history and what it's done so far. So going down to the second layer as a VC, you know, Medici has made 19 investments with its flagship portfolio, of course, being T0. Notably, they've had a, a series of investments, including two in the voting technology space, including a company called Votes, which actually I had the pleasure of being in an incubator with in San Francisco. They're doing great things and bringing uh, their voting technology to both government use cases as well as now clearly corporate and financial governance and, and all types of options. Um, we see a couple investments into land title registry solutions with, with both settlement as well as Medici land management. So this seems to be like another kind of incubated uh, company focused on a very big mission. In this case, of course, land management and land title registry is a huge blockchain function. And it seems like they're, they're moving into that space. They've also invested in a digital wallet, Kyle, called Ripio. They have invested in over four different companies in the payments and, and banking uh, startup space. They've invested in two KYC and identity providers, Identity Mind as well as NetKey. NetKey, one of our partners in the STG network, as well as one of the leading KYC solutions in crypto and security tokens. They also made a, a very high profile investment into Symboyant. For those of you who don't know Symboyant, they have raised over $35 million. They have over 100 employees and they are rumored to be working with NASDAQ, uh, providing them with blockchain applications and, and distributed ledger technology, uh, which of course is very major. They also have been sourcing Vanguard with their information on a lot of the ETF holding portfolios that, that Vanguard uses. So Symboyan is a very institutional platform being used by potentially NASDAQ and Vanguard. It seems like a very strategic play for Medici as well as T0 and, and Overstock in general. Yeah, no, for sure. It seems to be like another big profile, uh, key, key, you know, portfolio company there. They've also made a bunch of other, you know, similar type of investments, including one into Vincent, which was previously called VinX. We had the pleasure of hosting their founders, Jacob and Gil in Miami last year. Uh, VinX, Vincent now is a wine futures platform for anyone who's interested in that. I highly recommend you go check that out. That's being built out of Israel. And they have a series of other sort of similar type uh, investments, all ranging around the 500K to $2 million supposed check sizes. Again, we can't fact check any of this. This is third party suggested data, uh, but it does give us a perspective and an idea of how big Medici is, what they're looking to invest in, and on average, the, the kinds of investments they're making. And it, it, it is kind of varied. You know, it's not common for a venture fund to incubate companies like T0 and Medici Land Capital. It's typically more focused on doing a deployment schedule and going after a specific thesis. And in this case, you know, it certainly is a, a sizable portfolio at 19 companies. It's to be what's expected. But 
There's no sign of them raising additional funds. There's no sign about you know what, what their relationship is uh, with their LPs. So it, it's very tough to tell what kind of a vehicle or beasts or, or what this represents in the kairatsu, if you will, uh, to it all. But it, it, you know, on the macro surface, it is you know a VC strategic arm, uh, even though it's not strategic to furniture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so this. I think transitions us well into our third layer, which is similar in stature to Medici because T0 is our third layer who is wholly owned by Overstock, just like Medici, but was incubated through Medici. So um, T0, I'm sure, you know, if you have been listening to the podcast, if you're familiar with, with everything we've talked about, we know what T0 is. It's the exchange that transfers security tokens they were incredibly popular very early. They had raised a lot of money. They went very loud early in the space in the inception when, when Medici was being formed and when, when Patrick Byrne was, was really looking to pioneer this space. And so T0 has an interesting history. It's not really clear how much they've raised at this point. We certainly have seen this $134 million number, but there is a lot of misinformation in terms of how successful their raise went and uh, them having trouble there you know, with the SAF launch and then leading to Start Engine. And through this process, they actually acquired Verify Investor for $12 million, which is an accreditation business. And so now, going into 2019, they, they plugged everything in in preparation for the launch. There were some, some stumbling blocks along the way, though, unfortunately. Um, with GSR Capital and Makara Capital. Those are two Asian-based venture firms. GSR, I believe, out of China, as well as Makara out of Singapore. And there was an announcement that they supposedly were to combine and co-syndicate in a $444 million investment. This was rumored last year. And what we've confirmed is that they've only provided a $5 million investment. So we're talking a tiny, tiny portion of that supposed $400 million raise, which was a combination of cash, was a combination of selling equity in T0 tokens, was a combination of overstock equity. There was a very, very kind of crazy sale here that seems to have really kind of fallen through. GSR, we had heard, had pulled out. This was about nine months ago or so that GSR was, was not interested. And uh, Makara, I think everyone was holding on hope to, but what we news is coming out over the last day or two that Makara now has, has decided to delay. That was confirmed by Jonathan Johnson on their investor call this morning. He did frame it in a way suggesting that Makara was waiting for more development and could potentially give an even larger check but I don't know, man. This certainly isn't great news. Clearly, they're not psyched about where the progress the T0 has made thus far. Potentially, the, the switching of CEOs maybe had some reason for them to feel a little bit, have some cold feet, if you will. Um, so there, you know, from, from our end, I think that there's definitely some, some concerns around the cash at hand from T0. Because as we saw in their offering documents, or their disclosure documents, rather, they posted a $10 million loss last quarter alone. Oh. So, I mean, you're talking a, a, a huge burn from them, and that's that. this is after their platform is already live. 
So who knows what the expense was to actually build the infrastructure and, and regulations and, and everything that they've already sunk into this platform. Clearly they can't, if they've only raised that 134 and that was over a year ago, you'd expect that they're starting to have to think about what their future prospect is gonna, prospects are gonna look like for the T0 platform. Um, but T0 is using a lot of their financial partners to help them out and figure out how this thing works. And so T0 is the exchange. They, they hold all of the IP there and the branding, but they actually use Dinosaur Financial Services as their broker to execute their trades and onboard their investors um, for, you know, for this process. And so they also use Pro Securities Technology, which is a different company that's also owned by Overstock, to power the T0 marketplace. And so Dinosaur is not owned by T0, but they're, they're in a partnership. Um, this is one of those partnerships that did cause a little bit of additional scrutiny for T0 because of the fact that Dinosaur only operates from Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it doesn't quite fit the whole narrative of 24-7 exchange of securities and, and global efforts. 9 to 5 p.m. EST is not super compatible for a lot of the rest of the world where we're seeing just as much, if not more, activity than here on the East Coast in the U.S. And so it's, it's something that, that people weren't quite as excited about at launch, but is, a, is a, at least an institutional partner that is allowing them to facilitate these trades between all investors, both accredited and retail, as we've discussed. So Dinosaur is their partner um, and, and is doing the, the brokerage, but, but Pro Securities is the one that uses the ATS license in the trading of these securities. So it's, it's kind of a, just like with Overstock and Medici and T0, even just T0's relationships and their partners is its own kind of web of convolution that we need to untangle a little bit here. Do you see them, you know, making some different moves in the future, Herwig, for these financial services? Yeah, it's definitely really interesting because could, could maybe T0 power be powered by other brokerages or vice versa you know it's it's definitely a unique relationship because t0 is without a doubt in the press and visibly the security token exchange but then you go to the website and it's basically dinosaur 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 and then people get a little bit confused as to what's going on there and it gets a little bit more confusing because they actually recently launched the t0 crypto app where you do not trade security tokens, you trade traditional cryptocurrencies, including Ravencoin, which was added to it and made some big uh, splash. But ultimately, you know, we're talking about now a cryptocurrency app ex exchange on an app that is owned by T0, which is a security token exchange and it has its own host of IP, but also works with other Medici ventures and other subsidiaries of Overstock, which is all then, of course, owned up by, by Overstock and trickles all the way up to the top. So this is certainly a big blockchain vision stemming all the way down. It makes you think that maybe Overstock needs to reposition itself as what it's doing in the world, uh, because to the most average person, you know, that it's a furniture company, so that you can buy online. Uh, but they, you've, they've clearly see this intricate, almost strategic, tactical, built-out, architected network of different blockchain companies and solutions and you know, 
God knows what, what else we would be talking about if we knew more about what was in Medici's portfolio and how it's all working together. Uh, but it certainly seems that you know they all have synergies, that it's all providing value across the board to each other. And it certainly seems like one big behemoth of IP around you know digital security. So uh, at a macro perspective, maybe that's what's interesting is are they going to consider selling off of furniture? Are they going to consider bundling all of this up and selling that off or splitting it off? Who knows? It, it's certainly all interesting, all while the chief visionary who put it all together steps down and, and walks away from it all. It's definitely going to be a spectacle to watch over the next 6, 12, 18 months as we see all of these different branches grow in their own direction. I do think that this is, is there's a need for a centralized vision of someone to step in and, and really help focus some of these ideas. I think that Medici is, is great doing its own thing, investing in a lot of different businesses, but especially as we mentioned with a company like T0, it will be important for them to focus on where they wanna go here. Right? Especially if they don't own any of the financial services licenses, if they're looking to go into crypto as opposed to security tokens. I mean, there are a lot of things to cover here. And look, we just covered a full hour of just security token news. Right, If they wanted to go into crypto, it's a whole different industry. And, and I think that it's going to be very important for them to position themselves strongly and be focused in one direction, especially if they have a very high burn rate and maybe looking to raise more cash soon. They're going to need to really focus their vision and really figure out where they fit in the entire ecosystem. So something to watch. Uh, the last thing I want to end on, Kyle, that I think is another fascinating insight from this scenario in, in today's world is the importance of transparency and information. I mean, look at the situation with GSR and, and Macara Capital, right? You, you have this potential $444 million investment. I think the fluctuation of like a billion dollar valuation of some crazy numbers like that. Uh, and ultimately, you know, almost 2% of it gets gets it ultimately invested. So this has an effect on the price of T0, the cash on hand, which is a private company, which, you know, we don't know the, the structure of, but presumably it's majority owned by Overstock. And so we have no idea how that translates up to the Overstock price. You have the Overstock CEO stepping down and vice versa. How does that trickle down and how will that affect the T0 price, because ultimately Overstock owns T0 and it can do what it wants with it, so it's definitely a concern. There, this is a new world we're entering into, and the only message I can see here is transparency and information is going to drive you know, a lot of this, this interest around investments and secondary trades. So I just think it, it's going to be so, so important for everybody to you know, recognize you know, the 30, 20 minutes we just spent talking about explaining how T0 operates and how it can't be that way. It needs to be much, much simpler. You know, governance and the way things are, are going to be reported, I think, is going to dramatically change over the next few years as a result of activities like this. Definitely, definitely. So that's it. That's the scope. That's what you're looking at. We're talking about T0 and overstock and We'll have to you know, keep watching this closely, as I'm sure that we will. They're very loud in the space, very well known, and, and have a strong public brand and identity. So we'll have to continue to watch and see how they, can, they grow and they can implement these technologies. And, and uh, at the end of the day, they're, they're really making good progress. They're pushing the industry forward, thrusting security tokens into the public eye. And, uh, and so they're, they're, we know that they're working hard and, and doing good things. So... 
So yeah, I think that's it. To all you beautiful men and women listening, you know, we, we hope that you tune in next week and that's our show. Thank you very much. <laughs>